0: crash that brings everything into perspective. We're just happy to see Grosjean walk away from it. Join us to discuss a very unique um, Grand Prix, and I think that's the best way to put it, and a very hybrid
1: era race as well. Um, Jake, Keith, how are we, first of all? Um, That's the first time I think I've ever seen a crash in a race that I've watched live, and I've like had a sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach like a kind of sick feeling um yeah. i've not felt like that before watching a race i'm so happy he walked away from it um it looked it was proper scary i just didn't even know what to think you know usually you see like alonso's crash in 2015 you go oh that doesn't look great but this one was just a like that's it that's a that's a done deal right um and i'm just so pleased yeah he he walked away safely um you Know and then everyone else really put on a show afterwards, didn't they? Um, but all jokes aside, yeah, that was that nasty. It's just, you know, it's just good to see him get a, get away from the wreckage, right? And hopefully, uh, onto a speedy recovery. Does look like he's he looked a bit of the, the picture of him in the hospital. Um, it's almost kind of, I think we can say it now, comical. He had a big smile on his face, cartoonish, his, wasn't it? With yeah, his yeah it's really quite a
0: massive smile. You're like, yeah, well, I think mean, that's cool, Tom and Jerry
1: big beaming smile on his face. He's a great character. I know I give him stick all the time, but um, as a a person, you can't fault me. He's a family man at heart. So, uh,
2: yeah, get well soon, Roman. But it was a bit scary, wasn't it? you. Yeah. uh, How telling is it that a car can end up upside down and it feels like the most normal thing? Mm. After watching Mm. that Grosjean incident, you know, science manages to flip it upside down and it just feels a bit unspectacular. Uh, I'll echo everything Jake said. I actually had the weird pleasure of being talking to my brother as the race started and he's got no interest in F1, but I said to him, Oh, you're going to join me as I just watch this Grand Prix. And, uh, when that crash happened, I, I mean, he said that he could hear the panic in my voice. I've, I don't think I've ever seen anything as visceral. I mean, obviously in my lifetime I've had the unfortunate, uh, well, pleasure. the unfortunate nature of F1 is that experience. I've, I've dropped, yeah, experience I've seen and heard of F1 drivers passing away, most recently, Jules Bianchi, of course, but we didn't see that. And thankfully, we didn't see that. This is the first time I thought that I'd actually seen live a, a driver perish. Mm. Uh, and t- to see him out of, the, you know, we saw footage of him out of the car somewhat, something like 45 seconds later. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, we'll get there, obviously, but I'll just encapsulates an unbelievable testimony to the fantastic job people have done but uh yeah we'll talk about it more as we get through the race but i've i've never had my heart sink and rush with such fear and panic as i did in that moment and i i'm usually pretty unflappable when it comes to this stuff i usually feel like something's going to work out in the end i had genuine fear in that moment
0: yeah i mean
2: um i
0: think with this episode let's just jump straight into it. i know we've just um said our sort of overall thoughts on it but just to give a, a picture of what's happened um and of course i imagine people who are listening to a formula one podcast have probably more than likely seen the event at least um or seen the race in full at least um so start um the front getaway. um we'll talk about a lot of the individual drivers um in depth later but um come past turn one Um, and then turn two, which is that slight sort of left kink. Um, Roman Grosjean tried to overtake basically slow cars, so slower cars in front of him. Um, tap his right rear, tap the front left of um the Alpha of uh Kivya, and just kind of knife eject the car. around the front of of the Alfa and then literally just straight into a wall um it was a high impact we've been told it was up to up to 53 g of impact and the um we still don't know but fuel um leaked out because the car was literally torn in half um and obviously everything went up in flames um you guys have watched f1 a lot longer than me um you know, there's the Ayrton Senna one. There's obviously the Jules Bianchi one. Um, for me, my thoughts is is I I, I literally thought that was it. Like, it's beca- it's because it's because because the first shot you see is you see all of the cars racing towards you um, on, on that straight, and then you just see a massive explosion on sort of the left hand side. Um, and li- and and for me, it was what. It was, it was, it was, what really sort of stunned me wasn't necessarily the explosion. I was seeing the tire and that whole front end literally just fly across the air. And I was like, what on earth has gone on here? Um. And yeah, just, uh, just seeing, you know, parts of the car. Um, I want to say thankful to Formula One um, for not showing it until they knew that was something, you know, uh, until they knew that um, he was actually okay um which is probably something which we can talk about later as well
1: Mm.
0: but when you saw him get out it was almost shocked because because it's like what 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 like this this makes no sense right like how how can he be walking out of that and seeing the marshals seeing the um seeing the, dry, I've, I, sh- I have gotten their names and I shouldn't have, um, seeing the, um, the, the actual health and safety car um, run up. It was quite there on the scene early because obviously they would have to be behind the pack on the first lap. Um, and just the bravery from everyone. You know, these marshals, you know, they're not paid. Um, you know, they do get some training, but that was a huge amount of heat, you know. Um, and kudos to... to Grosjean as well for for I mean how that force just didn't knock him out like that's the bit which I still don't get I mean you need to be superhuman for that
1: it's the kind of force that they always fear it's that stopping Mm. hit right they're not always fearing if something crashes and they carry on moving at speed it's that inertia of stopping right it's that bang um and that's where the big g impacts come in and i'll tell you what stopped him from being knocked unconscious it's the halo yeah um and what i liked is that he came out and said i was very against the halo um but it's just saved my life and i was also initially against the halo when i came out i was like oh what's the point now are we going to put cotton wool around the cars like this is getting silly um and then we had the race in spa where leclerc went over alonso's Uh, head and it bashed right into the uh, car kind of bounced off the halo and he went yeah without the halo there that's Alonso's head so I'm I'm all for it now I really get it Um, you know just that that was a big part of it what was so scary was just the 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 intensity of that fire Uh, they're thinking it was actually from the fuel um, inlet so basically, there's a, the fuel is in a fuel tank, but then it goes into another chamber before it's fed into the engine. Um, and that's actually like a bag, a Kevlar bag that it's held in. And that's what split. And that was only two kilos of fuel. So imagine what happens if the, all of that fuel did go up. You know, there's 100 and whatever, and I think it's 110 they go up to now. There's probably about 105 there. Bahrain's a very fuel-sensitive track. Um, is that the right word, fuel-sensitive? What do you say fuel? It has a big requirement on fuel. Anyway, anyway it's they're on the... It's a thirsty track. Thirsty track, there you go, yeah. Very low moles per gallon. Yeah, they're, um, you know, they're full throttle for a lot of the track. It's an intense one, lots of high-speed corners. Um, and that was, you know, that's why the car was full of fuel. So it's kind of lucky that it was just that inlet. Um, and it was like a scene from a Hollywood movie, wasn't it? When he's there kind of climbing out the fire and it was a, Demi- uh, sorry, Van der Merva. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. I'm sorry if I'm butchering it, but he's the driver of the medical car. And um, Dr. Roberts is with him. And it was actually Dr. Roberts who was running up, pointing to the marshal saying, fire extinguisher there, and kind of got right to him. And I, I just it was amazing. If you watch the footage, the medical car comes right right after. And it, they're lucky it happened there. Because usually the medical car peels off, doesn't it? It doesn't do the whole of the first lap and then it's back in the pit lane, where then it would have to have come out again. If it was somewhere further around the track, it could have been a different story. Um, I mean, there's nothing lucky about exploding in a fireball. But I tell you what, if you're going to do it anywhere, do it there. Um, so that was incredible. Uh, the way when he just saw the car split in half was I've horrible. I've never he-
0: seen that. I have never. No, yeah. no. And, and no. that's what scared me because I thought he'd split in half. Well, like, yeah, I mean. <laughs> that, that was the thing because I was like, where is he? Like, like, I can't see him. Is he in the flame? Is he part of that part of the car? Like, that was the bit my, my brain
1: when you it's when you see the front of the car and you go, where is the front? You don't really know it's the front. Yeah. You see the barrier and you go, hang on a minute. Is that the hands device? And you can just see the back of the hands device that's jammed under. So he had to unclip his hands device. He, usually the drivers get off and they can, they can actually have that as a part of them. They had to unclip the, the Sorry, the side covering that's, that's linked to that. Uh, he would have had to get out uh, dazed. Surely he was dazed and on fire uh, and then climb out. Um, but something, last thing, because I'm going on a bit. The only other thing I want to point out is... I really think the marshals need a bit of credit as well. Media's going yeah, crazy course. for the medical car and they did an amazing job. It's not actually their job to pull people out of a burning car. It's their job to get there and apply the medical attention. But hey, they were there and they were on it and they were switched on. You know, they were saying blast the fire extinguisher. They were saying if it wasn't for that, they couldn't, it was, oh, heat was too intense. Grosjean couldn't have come out and they couldn't have grabbed him out. Um, so, you know, that, I think that was you know, an amazing job. When you see the crash, there's no waiting there's not a second the marshals instantly turn around from that post below and they're sprinting there they are on their way there is no hesitation no nothing uh, and the only bit of hesitation you see is from and this isn't the right word really you see dr robert skate up the car and it's always like a split second uh s word i don't know what i'd say on it and he goes ah sugar but he says something else and he looks at the car and he goes right, how are we working this out? He just takes that split second to work it out and goes, right, fire marshal here, you go there. And, and it's an amazing job. But I think they deserve some credit as well. They didn't get mentioned. Uh, they did get some bad press for, uh, you know, the, the close to Tom Price moment later in the race with Norris, but we'll come on to that. But, um, yeah, uh, it was a uh, really, really surreal experience. I haven't felt like that watching F1 in forever. And you said we've been watching longer. I haven't seen a crash like that. And the Bianchi moment like that, no one luckily saw that. You just saw kind of Suto's car at the side of the road. You, d- you don't want to see that. Like I said, Fatals shouldn't be on TV, eh? uh, you know, and um, you don't want to see that. But never, that, that crash just was hot in the moment. It's, it's like a Hollywood blockbuster, right? You know, mm-hmm. if, in a Hollywood movie, if you had a car crash, boom, the car would explode. Like Usually they just kind of go, they don't even make any noise. They just sound like sort of polystyrene boxes sort of flittering down the barriers. But you don't usually see a car explode into bits. Excuse me. I mean, for, for me, it's, you know, as
0: you know, I've watched endurance and I've seen the, uh, I think it's the Mark Eber ever flip, right?
1: Oh yeah. The, um, 99. Le Mans. Yeah, which, yeah. Which, which to it. me,
0: I still think is one of the worst crashes I've ever seen. I've never seen a car literally lift off and flip up like that, but even that wasn't in flames.
2: But say so that, mm. well, that happened three times that weekend for that. Mark. Yeah. That was, mm. uh, yeah. Yeah. They built their wheelbase far too long and, they're you know, arrow far too low. It was, you know, a recipe for disaster. Uh, but when when I, they knew Grosjean was out, and they started to do replays, and you started to actually see the wreckage, because obviously they didn't want to show anything. Which, as somebody who who's lived through the sort of Bianchi era and such, I was actually worried because when they're not showing something, you know, it's serious. Yeah, yeah. yeah agree, so, great So I was actually just like, oh no, they're not showing it this could be devastating. So when they finally got round to showing it and you saw Grosjean on the back of the metal, medical car, I first of all, I couldn't believe he didn't break his legs because he yeah. speared into that arm. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen just, you know, poor Billy Monger, We've seen Schumacher break his legs. We saw Olivier Panis break his legs. Uh, so to see him actually jump out of the car, it was astounding. But more to the point is that when they put the fire out, you're just sort of looking at the wreckage from a bird's eye view going, what did he jump out of? I can't see anything. What, where's the car? And it's only after they, you know, the fire finally starts to dissipate and the wreckage starts to reduce smoldering that you realize it's just buried in that arm coat. And it's got a giant dent in it where the halo did its job. I mean, it's, I've never seen anything like it. And hopefully I'll never see anything like that again.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a good point to move the conversation in terms of safety. I mean, um, obviously the halo is a must. Um, I don't think the halo will ever be disputed ever again and nor I feel it should ever, um, you know, if if there was ever a point to prove, you know, the halo works, this was it. Um, but, you know, there was some talk from Ross Braun after the race that, you know, the wall shouldn't have um, cave like that, you know, the wall, the wall should have, uh, the car should have basically slid um, on 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 the actual side of the wall. Um, but then some people were asking, you know, but in terms of that angle, the way he was hitting it, you know, would have that been worse? Is it a good thing that he did actually basically drive through it um, and the halo was there to basically, you know, save him? Um, what areas do you, do you feel F1 can learn from? Um, and what do you think you might see, you know, in, uh, in sort of the in sort of the next few years you know will they introduce you know um more stuff onto the car will they will the actual suits or the hands uh will the hands parts of the suits become you know a lot more sort of you know i don't know
1: yeah um so firstly what was interesting is the gloves were actually made of material from last year's race suit so the suits are actually heavier this year mm-hmm. they're far more flame retardant you'll get 20 seconds instead of 10 but they're heavier and obviously f1's all about you know cut your hair it's too long um, I always think Giovanazzi must be losing about half a tenth per a lap just with his ponytail. Um, but all jokes aside, you know the, the new heavier race suits this year, bar the gloves, um, which isn't it funny that's why you know Grosjean got burnt hands. I think actually he burns them on the railing. You can see trying to get out of the car. Um, but that's one thing. So I think that'll come onto the gloves as well, right? The drivers must keep the feeling in their hands. So I don't know how they'll do it. But at the same time, that's something I reckon will get looked at. It's interesting with the barriers. It seems as cars get quicker, you know, you read a lot. There was a, another podcast that was talking, they were talking to a, someone that works on barriers for racetrack. Never thought that was a thing. Uh, and they've just been making them stronger and stronger as the cars got faster and faster. But actually, a lot of the time, you, you actually want the, the car to kind of more dissipate down the barrier. You don't want it to go through it and you don't want it to take all of the impact. Um, so I think you'll see more barriers that are not these kind of triple metal. They're quite an old school type barrier. Um, I wouldn't blame the track, um, because again, that's a place you wouldn't usually crash. Uh, it's just such an unusual circumstance, but I think we'll see a change in the barriers. Uh, potentially they'll make a whole new legislation where they'll have to be, um, solid barrier and, and, and they'll look at that kind of design, how it can soften the impact. Um, from there, I'm not sure with the car. I mean, the halo is going to stay. That's not going anywhere. And do you notice the halo on the cars anymore? I don't really. I remember the first season no. they came out 2018. It was, oh, look at these. These cars are horrible. Completely forgot about them within one race. So. I mean, if, if
0: you recall, I think I made this exact point to you, you know, all those years ago. I was like, you know, I was like, Jake, you know, like, yes, it looks ugly now, but in two, three years time, it'll just be normal. Um, and, you know, and it's... Yeah, it's, you know, as you said, you know, it's just part of it. And and not only that, but the way Formula One in terms of, you know, the TV, you know, when the cars are, you know, when when you have that view where where we can see the halo and the driver, they put stuff on the halo. They can see, you know, how fast they're turning, you know, how much the, you know, the G's and stuff. So they have made it work.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, yeah, I think yeah, they
2: have. I think the halo is a little bit like the smoking ban. It seemed a bit mm. weird at first, but then after a couple of years, you'll wonder how it was ever any other way. Yeah, uh, yeah, And that's how I feel about the Halo now. If you took them off, you'd feel like there was something missing. Uh, and, you know, Grosjean was one of the biggest, like you say, he was one of the biggest uh, uh, critics of the Halo, because he was very much like, it's open cockpit, we shouldn't be having this. But he, you know, he ate crow, he realised it saved his life. And, you know, and to hear, uh, to put a sort of more, sorrowful spin on the thing to hear jules bianchi's mother come out and talk about mm. how that saved roman and how she she said that you know if something good can come out of her son's death and this is it you know that's that's some powerful stuff and so i think yeah it's here to stay it's proven its worth
0: yeah um yeah absolutely agree um and i think on that note i think that'll be a good point to move on so mm. um News, Um, I'm gonna enter in a little bit of news because it dropped earlier today, which I am all so excited for. Um, As Jake will know, I am a massive Audi fan because my dad had an RS5 when I was a kid growing up and it was one of the sickest cars he's ever owned. Um, With that, when we went to Le Mans twice, um, the first two times Audi has lost Le Mans in like 10 years were the two times that I went, (laughs) ironic.
1: But today they announced He could
2: have been wearing a Nissan jacket.
1: <laughs> yeah, you could have. And hat. Uh, and t shirt t-shirt. And t-shirt.
0: <laughs> still got that picture of lap 253 times saved on my phone in a special yeah. folder.
1: <laughs> it's, it wasn't a good weekend for me, you know. I've still got the flag of that car, the model. I've got everything to do with it. I must be the only fan of it because it's funny on the site I got it from, it's quite a known model car site. They don't ever do sales on anything, but that one they're like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we need to get rid of this. An an Auto Art 118 model that usually costs about 200 quid and I got it for about a quarter of that because they can't get rid of them. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, um, Audi today
0: has announced that they will be dropping out of Formula E. They'll be going into um, endurance, um, LMHD. Um, And also they'll be going into the uh, Paris and... Hacker as well which I was not expecting like like that came out of left field big time
1: yeah that's a a big one um I don't know what that says about Formula E um I'm starting to feel like Formula E isn't the the future of electric sport you know but I I won't go into that it almost came out too soon um I'm excited they're coming back to Le Mans a bit sad they're not doing a full season I want them to come back full time you know Mm -hmm. I'd love to see them back in this new hypercar category but in any in any guys having them back is is awesome, and uh, it looks so they're doing Daytona 24 as well, aren't they? So yeah, yeah come, come on down, come back. Um, I think Toyota even realised they need them back because you know if you, they're getting bored of being the only team in their category and winning by default, so uh, Which... sure Merck will start feeling like that soon as well.
0: Yeah, but that's a bit different. I mean, it's literally the equivalent of if Merck were the only team in the sport.
1: Or if they were racing in F2, yeah. So if you had F2 yeah, yeah. and then yeah, Merck's there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's pretty much like that, yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, I'm super hyped. I, I, I can't, like, um, I, I think every other week I send Jake a message saying, the hypercar class, I can't wait. Jake, the hypercar class, oh, look at these new pictures, they look so cool. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's going to be really good. I'm a bit sad they're, they're a bit sluggish,
2: but um, they are really cool. They're well, they really, really cool. cool. I mean, yeah, I think yeah.
0: it's the Peugeot one, which we've
2: seen so far. That's amazing. Yeah, oh, Toyota. I have love done that a... Toyota so much. I'm really hopeful on that.
0: In the black and yellow, I think it is so far, isn't it?
1: Well, maybe Grosjean yeah. will go and drive that when he's, when he's feeling better. It's perfect made for him, right? It'd be great for that project.
0: I mean, I thought, I, I mean, from, from what I was hearing that that was the plan is that if he was dropped out of F1, he would then join that like whole project. Um, but yeah, and we'll hate and see really. Um. But, 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 have we got any other news oh yeah um so uh pietro fitipaldi will be replacing um grosjean for the next race and the one after or is it was that so they haven't
1: confirmed for the one after yet i mean i assume so he's not yeah. going to be better in two weeks um yeah it's cool it's the grandson of emerson the great two-time world champion emerson Fittipaldi. Mm. um but I mean, he's not got the most amazing record. He won. He's a Formula 3.5 V8 champion in 2017. Did a bit of IndyCar, did a bit of Super GT. Um, but he has been their test driver for a couple of years. So they put their faith in him. You know, you could see maybe something would happen with one of the F2 drivers stepping up. But um, obviously that's not going to happen because it's the showdown, isn't it? The title showdown uh, between Callum Eyelott and Mick Schumacher. Callum Eyelott, look he was gaining points again in that feature race. But then in the sprint race, threw it all away with that crazy sort of lock-up moment, avoiding, of all people, Schumacher. And then he collided into, uh, uh, I can't remember his name, the Red Bull Junior. Um, it wasn't Sonoda, I don't think, I think it was the other one. The other driver was they've it? got. I I thought it was, sorry, yeah. I thought it was Sonoda. Uh, I, I can't remember the name. I'm, I apologize. For that. I'll have to check it. But sure. yeah, so uh, he's looking. he's only 14 points behind. He could still do it because he's definitely got the pace. Um, but... Yeah, it was a funny one, that. And, of course, Ilot's not going to be an F1 next year either, is he?
2: I'd like to say also, like, thankfully, that you brought that up because somebody, uh, when they announced Fittipaldi for Haas, uh, obviously, you know, Haas' Facebook and F1's Facebook sort of do the breaking news. And there were loads of people commenting, oh, put Mick in the car, put Mick in the car. And it's like, I think he's got a championship to win. Okay, he's got yeah. a championship to win, guys. That is,
1: that is way more important. Being an F2 champion and doing a race in the slowest car on the grid, I think, yeah, let's go for being an F2 championship. I mean, champion. I mean, I always wonder if Gasly should have stayed to be the Super GT champion, really. I think that would have been a big accolade on his uh, list because he nearly was. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'll be okay. I mean, the, you know, if he comes in the bottom two, he's doing what Haas needs. So, jokes aside.
0: Hmm. Um, and then just on that as well uh, Callum Eyelott, um I think earlier today said that he won't be joining no. F1 next year There's um, no space so now, for him sadly Exactly, um, so it's now all official um, which I think is a bit of a shame but I mean who knows, I think one more year in F2 um, if he can smash it um, and then you know we we've got the whole new cars in 2022 you know, I will severely doubt Someone like uh, Kimmy will still be there um, if he is. And mm. fair play to him. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. So I think you know. I think for him, he can probably take this. Obviously, it's not a win, but it's not a loss
1: either, right? No, um, I think uh, he'll be back in something. He's he's really got potential, and he can just really have a proper full-on run at the F two season next. Uh, you know, F two championship. Sorry, next year. Um. It didn't do Van Dorn any harm, I want to say, but actually it wasn't great when he came to F1. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, he'd have to do it, but he stays in F2 again. He's had a great season, though, Eilat. You know, I think he's he's done an awesome job. Mm. Um,
0: anything
2: from you, Keith? Uh, yeah, I mean, Ilo. I think, maybe on his day, is the fastest guy in F1. He just he's just got those inconsistent finishes and it's a shame because I think that given a little bit more maturity and a little bit more luck, he probably would be leading the championship, but you can't fault the job that Schumacher's done either. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, I think George Russell and Alex Albon are living proof that having the better F2 career does not necessarily translate to having the best F1 career. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I think that, I think that ultimately talent rises to the top, you know, by and large. I, I don't think that Mazepin will be long for the uh, F1 world, you know, and maybe Islet will find another way in.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, it's I mean to me, it's it's weird because this is the sort of the first time I'm seeing sort of the the gen which I've known from the start of the sport leave, and then a whole new breed. Like I'm sure you guys have seen it probably once or twice now. But for me, like this is like the first time I'm seeing like a clean out of the entire grid, right? Like, It's, it's kind of sad, no. actually, thinking about it. It's like, oh, all yeah. the heroes are gone. Like, I think it's literally Lewis and that's it. Actually, no. Literally, yeah, it's literally Lewis and Kimi left. Like, that's it. Alonso's coming back. Oh, Alonso, but, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah.
1: But, and Seb's still there. There's a few of them left, mm. but not, not a lot of that, you know, a golden generation, if you like. Um but there's another golden generation coming through. there's always one you know you've got max you've got Leclerc, you've got science um that's, that's about it, but you know <laughs> yeah, um so anyway, uh quali
0: Uh Lewis. i'm I'm just gonna just just jump straight into this one. oh God, like, just different league like like. It was what, like half a second quicker, like four tenths quicker, or something stupid like that? It wasn't, no,
1: it, it, wasn't it wasn't even was,
2: that big. It was three tenths in the end. Three of tenths,
1: tenths. Yeah. yeah. Do we have to talk about Quali in the race? I really don't know if I want All to talk right. about it. It's, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm just saying it wasn't very exciting, this race, was it? Uh, yeah, Quali was, you know, I, I, after practice, I was thinking, oh, you know, Merck have been doing some weird tyre tests. So maybe there's a chance for, you know, Red Bull to get one of their glory wins that they usually get towards the end of the season. Uh, And they didn't even get to do that. Lewis just rocked up and then suddenly was way ahead of anyone else. Uh, So there we go.
0: And I just want to remind everyone, Mercedes have stopped working on this car about three races ago now, like even more so.
1: Yeah, they think it's May time. No, May whoa. T- there were, whoa, there were no races in May. Wind back. No. Um, I think it was Barcelona, which usually would have been May. That's why my brain's done that. I think yeah. it was in Barcelona where they, they stopped.
0: It's developing. And, and the fact that the Red Bull still hasn't caught up is just... Like,
1: yeah, it hasn't. Mind-blowing.
0: Mind-blowing. Um, but I'll tell you who has sort of bridged the gap. Her, her pacing point.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, that was just a good quality from Perez. Mm. Um, and he's, he's been doing great. He's been doing everything he he can do. I don't think he's done everything he needs to do because I, I just think Red Bull just don't want him in the car. They want Matt, uh, Matt Albon and they'll take that podium as an excuse to keep him in there. Even though Perez beat him in an inferior equipment, you know, all this uh, racing point of the second quickest car on the grid. No, they don't. They don't have the second quickest car. Probably have the best car in the midfield, just. But um, Perez is just, yeah, he's awesome. Great, great lap and quality. But Renault, Renault were really good as well. I think Ricardo was like three thousandths ahead of Ocon. So Ocon had a really good session. Ren- uh, Ricardo just got it when it counted. Both of the uh, Alpha Tories were in uh, Q3. That's pretty good. And both Ferraris were out in Q2. So last year they were P1, P2. This year they were
2: P11, P12. So that's is all you need to know really. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. it was interesting to see, I think Lance Stroll, I think he was like second in Q1. I think he bunged in a really hot lap yeah. at the end. And, uh, you know, all the commentators are saying, oh, you know, he's looking really racy. And then he ends up P13. You know, just yeah. uh, and that's I think that's kind of becoming a little bit of a staple of of Lance is that he he's a very inconsistent Saturday. Yep. Is that he can sometimes be rapidly fast on Saturday and other times he just seems to be miles away.
1: Yeah, it's like a yo-yo. It's, there's no consistency when you even look on the car on, on board with him. He looks very erratic. There's just no sort of common <laughs> semblance of any sort of uh, control there, is there? It's not good. It's, it's not a good show. That car should not be out in Q2. It's, yeah. Um, I'm really
0: torn on Stroll. Um, on the one hand, I did want him to do well. Um, you know, he has proved himself. Um, but... Yeah, he's just been. And, and also, he actually started off the season really well and then just sort of dropped off a cliff. You know, I'm, I'm starting to think that. I think that, that crash in Monza, where he's just literally turning on the right and boom, it just goes straight into the wall, I think that really shook him up. Oh, um, in Nurburgring? Was it Nurburgring? No, no, I thought it was in. Magello. Yeah. Oh, uh, Magello. Wow, yeah, we're both Magello. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, that's why. Um, it's because it really does seem to me like after that race, he's just not been the same since, really.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah there is a clear first half of the season and second half of the season for what he's done. I mean, was it one, two, three, four? I think the last seven races, he's finished in the points once, and that was a ninth. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this race, you can't really say much of it was his fault, but... Uh, I mean, he is rapidly falling behind Sergio, who is nothing if not consistent. I mean, Sergio's finished in the points every race he started, apart from this one, because of a mechanical failure. Mm. So he's got the unfortunate honour of being next to somebody who is the definition of consistency, which just makes Lance's inconsistency look worse.
0: Yeah, and uh, and also he's got Seb in that car next year, and Seb is hungry like you can tell after the last race when he won that and certainly just seeing him sort of in the pre-race interviews and the pre-quality race interviews like he was up for it and you know um I think it was it was either Ted or Will who who asked him in the interview like Seb are you happy seeing what RP are doing with this car because it's like this is you like you'll be in that car next year and he's like I am ready to go like I cannot leave team red quick enough right like he is so he, he he's going to go into that team and hit the ground running I think like I don't think it'll be too long until he's you know putting that car well above where it sh- where it really sh- really actually should be
2: well I mean here's a question just before we get into the team by team breakdown how vital is it next year that Lance beats Seb <sighs>
0: Um, I don't think it really is. Um, I think the reason they've hired Seb is so that they can, um, and and I think i and I've actually said this previously, previously before. In the same way where you know Braun hired Schumacher to come in and help set up the team to get it into the position where it is now. I feel Seb will be the exactly the same thing, except for he'll be in a car which can probably be nearer to the actual front.
1: I'll be interested to see how Seb performs. If this is going to be like a 2015 Ferrari move where he's just had a renaissance and really turned it around. Um, I hope it is. And maybe this car will be more to his liking. I think he's kind of switched off at Maranello. You know, he's not happy there. Um, it still doesn't look like the right decision now, though, does it? Having, you know, Seb and Stroll in the car when you could have Perez and Seb or, you know, even Perez and Stroll. I don't think Stroll has to beat Seb, but I think he has to be you know, there or thereabouts. He's got to be contributing points. You know, that car should be third in the constructors, really. And at the moment, yeah. it's Stroll that's letting it down. Even with the 15-point deduction, you know, they should be there or thereabouts. So he's, he's got to pull it up. Um, and I don't know how far the influence goes a Stroll. Obviously, it's the Stroll Consortium, and, you know, they've bought the team, and they've got Aston Martin involved. I don't know when it gets to the point where people go, look, you know, we don't, we don't care. But you've seen it with Andrea de Crascheris back in the late 80s and early 90s you know daddy's Marlboro money talked and it didn't matter what he did you know the engineers used to give up even bothering to fix his car or caring but at the end of the day it was his dad who's paying the bills so Mm. I, I can't see Stroll going anywhere you know that his dads bought the team for his son to race in. that's why he's done it yeah literally
0: um yeah there we go you know f1 for you guys um Williams uh team talk so uh as we always do every week, we talk about the teams and drivers one by one. So Williams, Latifi 14th, Russell 12th, Mr. Saturday once again.
1: Yeah, but and you don't I get bored he, of hearing Crofty yeah, saying
0: that. Yeah, I know. And I really hope these last two races he can get that P10 or P9 like just so close but yet yeah, so far.
1: Yeah, he had a good race, but he did it again where he had an awful start. The first start is he was down in 18th from 12th, and it's just, oh, come on. Apparently, it's the really sensitive nature of the way the Williams car starts. It isn't him. You know, he's had it a few times, but again, it just seems silly to undo all that work, but then fair play to him. Actually, his second restart was really decent, and he kind of got back to where he should have been. That's a solid race, isn't it? And Latifi looked like he belonged there as well. He wasn't lagging at the back miles off. He was fighting. He was in there. You know, he beat other cars. Uh, he had a good race. Um, so yeah, not loads to say about Williams, but they—they're just looking a little bit more there, aren't they? They're looking there or thereabouts. Are they going to get points this year? Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. Not without some crazy stuff going on. But they—they're they're, they're nearly there, aren't they? They're not too far.
2: Mm. Yeah, and you know, George finished ahead of of a Ferrari. I mean, was it on pace? Seb was obviously well off the pace. I mean, he said that that car was undrivable, and we'll get there. But. I think ultimately, twelfth in a in a race where there was only you know two cars that didn't finish that you would say would have been naturally ahead of them. You know, twelfth was probably about as good as it was ever going to get for them. Uh, yeah, oh, sorry, uh, three, the RPS and Gros- well, Grosjean probably would have actually finished behind the Williams. Uh, yeah, it's it's difficult for them because I think George is wringing the neck out of the thing, and I think he is doing the best he can. But you can just tell when he's. I think he was following Kvyat in the first stint, and he just can't get within. And you can just you can just watch the timesheet. You know he'll be you know within one and a half seconds, one point eight, two point one, two point three. He just can't get just that little performance to get within the top ten. And then the first round of pit stops happens, and then it's just it's just tumble, tumble, tumble. A real. You know I'd love to see him get some points before the end of the year. I feel his efforts deserve it, and I think. It's a millstone that's ringing heavy round his neck, and it, the quicker he gets those points, the better. Latifi, I don't think I saw him all weekend. Uh, I think. No, I didn't. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it, yes, he they finished ahead of the Alphas, so so fair play, and I think Williams, in terms of development, have gone from being probably the worst car to probably not the worst car, which is for them, pretty good.
0: Yeah like for for a team like that which has been at the back for so long like this is a huge win um and and hopefully you know l- l- let's also recall earlier in the season you know the williams name had to get sold you know um it's no longer owned by claire and frank um and this is a positive step you know this is the reason why they sold the team because they felt that they could leave it in hands of people which could bring the Williams name more towards where it actually should be
1: yeah I mean I think uh, yeah Latifi is a similar situation to Stroll really isn't it Mm. I think He's, he's there right now it doesn't matter to them does it I think that's the main thing doesn't matter whether he's coming 14th or 13th or 12th or whatever um he's bringing in money which does more for the car when you're in that situation i think your priorities are different you know if they had hamilton and verstappen in that car would they have any points this season probably two or three maybe four but that'd be it wouldn't it right they mm. i don't know if it's uh, right now I, I suppose their priority isn't really with latifi so moving on um alfa romeo
0: Kimi 15th uh Giovinazzi 16th um It sort of feels like I didn't actually see them all race, if I'm being truly honest with you. Um, yeah. So, uh, other than the restart, I think.
1: So it was weird, wasn't it? Because at the start, you saw one of them going really wide. Yeah. And I think, I think it was Kimmy, uh, And then you thought, well, that's wide. What's going on at the boom? And then obviously the big crash happened and suddenly forgot all of that. Geo actually had a really good race and he was actually pinned on for 12th. Um, but at the end with the safety car, um alfa romeo gambled and pitted him um, which why not why not go for it you know if there was a restart he'd have been on fresh rubber but obviously there wasn't a restart in the end um but he actually had a really good race he had a decent quality as well um and you know coming 12th which he should have done in that car without the gamble would have been pretty good the only reason he came 16th was because uh they, they pitted him late as a gamble and it knocked him down the grid and Kimi was a bit missing in action this one, wasn't he? I mean, apparently there was a bit of a scuffle with Gio on the pit straight, which I never saw. Where he had damage to his car, he did okay. But they were a bit anonymous, weren't they? This wasn't one of their stand-up performances, but Gio actually had a bit of a decent race. And if it wasn't for that like pit stop, we probably would have been talking a bit more highly of it.
2: I think Kimi did have front wing damage in the first stint, didn't he? Uh, I think I remember seeing him following uh, Russell quite closely. And he was, there was certainly a bit of an end plate Skiddling along on the uh, on the track, and I don't think he got the uh, the Lando and Loris luck in that regard, and did it before the uh, safety car. So uh, yeah, A- again, nondescript. I think for Kimi, the season can't end soon enough. Uh, they're they're going backwards, but, and I think that they but they've done their work that they needed to do at the beginning of the season, and they got their points early. So they'll probably still finish what seventh in the constructors, Is it seventh, eighth.
1: Yeah, eighth. I think sorry, eighth. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, which for them, I mean, sadly, after last year, I think they were probably looking to be a little better, more competitive. But, uh, yeah, it's just not proven to be the case this year. Gio, I think, passed Kimi on track, which he'll feel pretty good about. And I think over the course of the season, he has closed the gap. But uh, I think Kimi's still the default leader. And, hey, Gio's got another season to figure it out.
1: Yeah, he's definitely got better, hasn't he? Like if, he'd, if he'd had this level of performance all season, you'd probably say he kind of deserves to be there. I think, yeah, it looked a bit... It, we would have been more excited with an Ilot or a Schumacher in there. I mean, no, no one's going to deny that, but he had a better performance. That was a good race. You, you can't complain with that performance he did today, but, you know, a bit too hard to get. Too excited for Al- Alfa Romeo at the moment, but hopefully they've got some steps to make. Yeah, exactly. So moving on, Haas. Of
0: course, once again, uh, really happy to see that Grosjean made it out safely. Uh, K-Mag, I do not blame him. Um, I don't, you know, uh, yeah, he was just a bit sort of not in the race, I felt.
1: Yeah, he is uh, 17th. There isn't much to say about his race. That car's got no pace. And honestly, I do think it's the slowest car on the grid now. Um, and as much a stick as Grosjean and Magnussen get, I think mean, they're just so peaky. That's why they've got the points. There's no consistency there, but th- there's not really much else to say about their crash. You know, I think he probably was a bit stunned by it all. Um, but, you know, what I will say about Haas is that car was, you know, did its job. It was well built. I know a lot of them have the same safety structure and, you know, ha- yeah, the halo and all of that, but it did really stand the test, which is good. I, I don't think it's like the old days where you go, you know, if you're in a Lotus and you know you're going to get hurt if you crash, or you know if you're in a newly built car, you're going to get hurt because he doesn't really care about any of the safety. The cars always super light and made just to be fast. It's not like that anymore. There's there's standards all the cars have to hit. Um, But yeah, fair play to the Haas team. They built it tough. Hopefully they you know they're they're probably one of the last teams on the grid that need that bill. But there we go. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, and I think Gunter Steiner came out and said all the right things. I think in terms of just keeping people in the loop and sort of putting minds at ease, I think that they did the right thing. Uh, I mean, I think the, the crash reminded me, I, I, it was after it happened, it reminded me of what happened to Francois Sauveur. Uh, I don't know if you know about his crash and how he uh, ended up becoming no. a copper in the Armco barriers. Uh, and I think a lot of the, you know, I think even a few of the commentators actually mentioned that it sort of reminded them of the 70s. Mm, and it reminded yeah. me yeah it, it reminded me of classic f one footage and and even sort of slightly more modern day indie car. It felt like a very um I hate to say it, a very american crash yeah uh, it it did
1: it i agree with that it's like a more of an indie car crash right where it tends to tend to be a bit more nasty or it reminded me a bit of the burger crash in the, in the, the late 80, 89, i think it was at Tamborella where that car sat on fire it was really like that um it's, you just don't see that happened really now, do you? So I know we're going back to that, but yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think it's difficult not to go back to it though. I mean, it was such sure. a horrible moment and uh, you know, it stuck with me. I'll admit it. It stuck with me even because I, I will usually watch the race and then watch the highlights afterwards just to watch them both times and see if I missed anything. And you know, it is just difficult to watch. And uh, there's actually a lot of stuff I'd like to touch on about the F1 drivers and the post race. Which I think we'll get to mm. as a Yeah, man. I agree but with that. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, outside of that, yeah, you have to say it was a you know a terrible race for Haas in terms of uh, performance and what happened. I mean I I have little doubt that they would have finished rock bottom either way. So uh I you know, I think Gene Haas's got a lot of questions to ask.
0: Yeah. Um, unfortunately. So moving on, um, AlphaTauri, um, Kvyat 11th, uh, Pierre Gasly, 6th. Um, so both cars made it into Q3. Um, Pierre, oh, my God, like, just, it's, it, like, every time I see him race, I feel I have to remind myself RB dropped him. Um, and he's just come back so strong.
1: Yeah, he had another good race. I th- he was saved by the safety car. And yeah, he would have lost another spot. Saying that, he still had a fantastic race. Uh, really good job. And actually, the Alpha Taris looked really good this weekend. Again, they were both in Q3, um, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, really good race. A one stopper. He's one of the only drivers that made that work, I believe. I don't think anyone else even tried it. Uh, maybe someone else did. Uh, but from the front, front runners, anyway, no one did. Um, and it worked. I think they kind of regretted it, didn't they? When, when they started going further down that rabbit hole and it was too late to bail out the one-stop, you kind of got that feeling. They were thinking, ah, I shouldn't have done this. Um, but it paid off. Safety car came out and kind of saved his blushes a bit. And yeah, another great drive. Uh, he really has been a phenomenon this season, hasn't he? And it just this is another thing to prove that. Kvyat, uh, not such a great race. Um, became 11th after the 10-second penalty, which was impressive. I mean, he would have been in the points without that, no doubt. Do you think he deserved the penalty? for his clash with strong. Obviously, he was absolutely blameless in the Grosjean crash. Yeah. Um, and actually, I mean, we shouldn't really talk about who's at fault for that at the moment um, so we can come on at a later date. But it certainly wasn't Kivyat. I don't um, know.
2: I think uh, certainly David Coulside and Mark Webber were a little bit more forthcoming than uh, Crofty and Brundle. I think they they very much said that it was a a swerve to the right and that you shouldn't Moves that drastically during the opening lap. No, um, I mean when
1: I first saw, when I first saw it, I said it should be a race ban. Um, I I think it's awful, but I I just feel disrespectful going into it now. I mean Grosjean's made some moves this year that I think are horrendous, you know, like the one on Kimi in in Barcelona was just awful, mm. um, and now Grosjean's walked away from it. You know, Grosjean's last race ending in a fireball is probably what you would expect if you wrote a book. That's how it would end, you know, with him. <laughs> obviously walking away from the car, but going, and that's how he was always remembered. Um, that jink to the right, you see it in the footage and you just think, what are you doing? Like, that is ridiculous. But okay, I'm, I'm okay, actually, so, you've caught me, you've caught yeah, me into that yeah. rabbit hole now, so I'll come back out of it. Um, but let's just say it's definitely not Kiviet's fault. You know, he's completely faultless. But the second one, the stewards gave him a 10 second penalty. What do you both think?
0: Uh, I don't think it was his fault because Lance did leave room and then he just closed it. You know, I think if, if you're going to, not the i mean yeah so if 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 he truly wanted to not want him to go through he would have kept a tighter line on the entry and blocked it off but you can see there's a space he goes in and then he just hits him um and yeah it just seemed like a very clumsy move
2: i'll i think um, when i first saw it i thought racing incident but then the more i watched it the more i thought you know what it's just sort of lazily sticking his nose in there. He's not ahead of him. He's not mm. side by side. He's not three quarters. He's just got his nose where it doesn't belong. And Lance has got every right to hit that apex. Uh, I think, yeah, it's 75% Danny, 25% Lance at best. Uh, it, it was never, he was never going to make a move stick if that's what he was trying to do. Because it didn't, if it didn't feel like it was a genuine attempt at overtaking, and if it's not, he should should have backed out.
0: Mm. I mean, yeah, it is a tough. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with you, um, but it's like he he knew he was there and he knew he was close to him, um, and yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, I've I've actually said my point. I I I don't think they should have given it uh, him um, a ten second. Um, the fact
2: that there's conjecture means that there's no clear, clear, yeah, um, exactly. It means that there's probably room to say a racing incident.
0: Yeah, and I think the reason why I'm saying it's not hundred percent hundred percent his fault because I think I've seen worse stuff happen this season where no one's had anything to them, right? Um, so yeah, it was it, it, it like I mean. Really, to me, it just it just looked awkward. It just looked weird. It was like, what are you two actually like what are you two doing like this was such a clumsy move
2: yeah, yeah for me at yeah, yeah. first sorry Keith the, on. Sorry. yeah it, it, and again, it comes back to you know we're talking about what a terrible second half of the year Lance has had, and I know that we're talking about Alpha Tari right now, but it yeah it's uh mm. it's probably I think after the incident with uh with Roman. Is that you'd have thought that Danny would have done his just want, would have wanted to have a quiet stay at a trouble day. Uh and yeah, it just wasn't to be. I, I do think that he it was a it was a nondescript kind of he was positioning his car in a manner that just didn't feel it felt kind of Leclerc ish. Mm. That's sort of like, I'm gonna keep my nose pointed into the mid into the uh inside and it's gonna be up to you to avoid me. Uh, and that's kind of what uh Seb was complaining about. Uh, you know, is it? Danny's probably not going to be in F one next year, and it's probably because of stuff like this.
0: Mm. I mean, yeah. I mean, just ultimately, you know, you've got Pierre who got bought in from, you know, the the huge team for, from the actual older brother team into this one, and he's just wiped the floor with them. Like it's it's not it's like it's not even a contest.
2: Yeah. Also, like what a what a weird situation that we're in now that Pierre Gasly can finish P6 and we can all just go, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's massively, Wild. massively overdriving that. Like, And again, yes, he was saved by the safety car, but they were banking on a safety car. You know, they probably were you know, hoping that they would get one. Uh, and you know, he made those tyres last 32 laps. Phenomenal effort. Mm. So moving on um
0: to stroll um racing point uh i feel we've talked about Stroll enough um so let's just focus on sergio oh that was gut-wrenching seeing that can smoke just,
2: yeah yeah can i just make a point is that but well, he came on the radio what three laps before that happened saying like hey team wake up i know i'm yeah. having a boring race here you know just sort of joking and it's like just don't tempt fate dear boy yeah. Just don't do it. That was a that was a real Murray Walkerism, just like, oh, here we go. Now you've said that, it's bound to happen. Uh and you know, of of all the things that he should depend upon, that Mercedes engine you'd think is one yeah. of the ones that you can actually say, you know what, that ain't gonna fail on me. We may end up with a broken gearbox, broken suspension, broken fuel pump, broken electron, anything, but you wouldn't have seen that engine blowing up. So I feel terrible for him, especially because he was Driving so well all weekend. He actually gave Verstappen a run for his money in a heartbeat. Comfortably ahead of Albon. You know, he's come out today and basically said that he's probably looking to do a sabbatical from F1 next year. And that happened. What an absolute gut-wrencher.
1: Yeah, I, I feel for him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, firstly, on the Kvyat incident, I feel left out because I didn't get to say anything. Um, uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, initially when I watched it, I thought oh, I'll stroll uh, and then I thought sort of racing incident. And I think 10 seconds is too harsh. I think at most it was a five second penalty for Kvyat. It is his fault. You can't be sticking your nose on the inside. He was basically off the track. But uh, I think 10 seconds was a bit harsh. Going back to, to Chico, I was so gutted, like absolutely gutted for him. Um, that would probably be his last podium for at least a while. Um, it's pretty clear Red Bull don't not you know they're not going to take him afterwards. You hear on the radio you hear you know um, Horner saying, "Oh, fantastic job, enjoy the rosewater," blah blah blah, mega drive. And you're just thinking that's not a mega drive. You know the commentators as well on our coverage on Sky were saying, and you know Albon saved his career with that engine failure. It's like well, anyone that watches it knows Chico all ends up in a slower car. Uh, if you're going on pure pace for that seat, Chico's got it all ends up. But that's not what Red Bull won. Um, so then Kiss could buy any constructors or anything next year. But, uh, yeah, really sad to see. Another great race. And he he's just a class above, um, you know, his teammate. This is going to put pressure on him to get fourth in the championship. But this is a mega blow for Racing Point. A mega blow with, with um, McLaren coming fourth and fifth. Yeah. They're going to have a tougher time. I think they can still do it, but they're going to need two really good races now. They're going to have to get everything out of that car because I tell you what, that is a bit of a gap to make up now. Suddenly they've gone from like looking like they're on for it to not. And McLaren against all odds could come out with third this year, which would just be mad because that is not the third quickest car. Um, But Hey, there's still two races to go. And the thing is with those lower positions, you know, when you get nearer the top, it's only coming first and, that makes a difference and this, this, the points margins are quite small. When it's a difference of, oh, we usually come eighth, but then someone comes fifth, that's a big gap. So anything could happen. All it takes is like one of the teams getting a podium and something else to, to swing it back. But it looks like racing point, have a bit of a mountain to climb now. Uh, it was a mega blow. And I think that's why Otmar knew that, you know, he was mortified on the podium, this, not on the podium, sorry, on the in the pit lane. You see his head in his hands, And he was left there on his own on that sort of strategy wall. And I just felt for him. I felt for the team. Uh, It was really good seeing the, you know, it's a team you want to see do well. Forget that Stroll's in the team and Daddy Stroll owns it if you've got a problem with that. You know, that team's come from being an efficient team that's not had a lot of money. They've been close to losing their jobs so many times. (laughs) Um, Whether Checo comes in, whether, uh, you know, the Stroll Consortium comes in to save them. And uh, they really, it would have been good to see him get that podium. And please Perez has got a podium this year, but that one was, he really worked hard for that gutting. Absolutely and, gutting.
2: And also, I mean, you know, beyond the constructors, that would have put him fourth in the driver's championship. Which comfortably so. Yeah. And you know, you would have, you would have then say favorite for fourth. I mean, he may yet, even though he's only two points back, you may say he's still the favorite because he's the man in form when it comes to actually on the track. But,
1: what I'd say energy. he's the favourite. But the only thing yeah. is he might need a new engine now for the next race. I've not even thought of that. And if he needs a new engine, that means that's one race he can forget getting any good points. So it's going to be close. Um, it'd be, I mean, it would be mad if Danny Rick got that because the Renault's certainly not third quickest. But I think we all know, you know, Checo's missed two races. And now this one, he really is the person to me that stands out as the fourth best driver this year. He's been, in terms of he should, or should come fourth. It's arguable whether he's the fourth best driver. But uh, amazing job. And if you look at the constructors, that's a mega climb now for Racing Point. Like Renault have kind of taken themselves out of the running, I think, um, we will come to them. But yeah, looking, they've got, what, 17 points. That's a lot. That's a lot. They're going to need uh, Stroll to start actually scoring some points if they want to get that third place.
0: I mean, if Stroll just, you know, a little nip on, 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 on one of Sainz's, I don't know, Norris.
1: <laughs> if he can just do his job and come yeah, like exactly. <laughs> sixth place or, or seventh or eighth, even if he comes eighth for a couple of races, that'll probably do it. Because then mm. if you've got Chico coming anywhere from third to fifth, they'll probably do it. But they need him to just come in and score some points. Uh, otherwise, I mean, they're not going to do it.
0: I mean, I, mean, I think now be a good point to move on to McLaren. Um, science yep. fifth, Norris
2: fourth. Um, May I? Yes. Thank you. Well, I messaged our group chat when the start happened because Lando had a great start, and then the safety car happened. Then he had another great start, and I was like, hang on, he's turned the corner now, because you know the one thing that I've said about Lando all season is that he can't nail his first stints. But then he actually started to fall back, 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 back. He was getting dropped by Sergio, and he was getting dropped by Albon. And I was disappointed because I was like, oh, you know, it'd be nice to actually see them you know, take the fight to these guys a little bit. But as the race went on, you know, he cleared the Renault, he cleared Gasly. And like we've said before, there's something about that McLaren at the later stages of the races which it just sings. And for them to get fifth and sixth, when I mean we're talking about them being third in the constructors championship. Has there ever has there been one weekend this year where you go they're the third quickest cut? Mm, no. Absolutely. And yeah, it's nice. testament to the job that Seidel, Norris, and Sainz have done, that they've scored so consistently, despite at no point would you ever say, oh, they're the, they're the third quickest car. I mean, Lando had a wobble a few races back. He had three races where he didn't score a point. Uh, Carlos had a, had a wobble where he were, you know, famously the Russian Grand Prix. That was awful. But they just... Yes, their highs are not as high as Racing Point. Or even... Uh, as high as Renault, because Danny Rick's had two podiums, which is, you know, Lando hasn't, uh, Carlos hasn't, but they just chip away, and they just stay in the fight, and at the end of the race, they don't make stupid decisions, and they've been pretty consistent, and I think it, it bodes well that they're getting, in my opinion, one of the top four drivers in the world, and Danny Rick in there next year, and a Mercedes engine. You know, I think if they can get third in the championship this year, they'll look back on this as mission accomplished. Also, and I know that I'm dragging on my point here, they're the only team in the midfield where the intra-team battle is actually interesting. You know, mm. There's a point between Science and, and Norris. And they've, I think they, Norris has got the qualifying by one, or maybe they're even equal. They are neck and neck, and there's no other midfield team where you can point to them and go, yes, it's that close. There's a huge golf at Renault, there's a huge golf at Racing Point, there's a huge golf at Ferrari, and a huge golf at Alfa No, If you're talking about just an intra-team battle that you'd want Amazon to focus on to try to survive, it's McLaren.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all of that and, um, and all of the points. And, and I just want to just refresh everyone a little bit. Um, Zach Brown had to do, you know, he had to do the absolute unthinkable and sack, what, you know, 2K people at, at the start of this season. And so this was a team which was hurting. This was a team which which wasn't as strong as we've seen it in the past. And I'll, I'll admit, you know, that there's a part of me which wants RP to, to, to then win third because all of the money which will help that team, which has always struggled. But then on the other hand, you know, a part of me wants wants this team, which is, you know, you know, I mean, they had such a horrid time at Honda as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've just come back and it feels like, you know, all of the pieces which Zach has sort of lined up, you know, hiring Seidel, you know, trying to grab drivers, which, you know, young talent who could really, you know, breathe new life into that team, it, it's... His grand master plan is all now starting to click into place, and um, and and at the end of the day, whichever team wins that third, they're going to get a lot of money, and obviously, you know, that money won't go towards the twenty the twenty one car; that'll go to the twenty two car, and also the staff, and also you know just building the team up as well. So it's exciting. I really can't wait. You know, it's going to in short, who whoever wins third i will be over the moon for
1: yeah it's gonna be a really cool fight to see till the end i'm really interested to see what happens um i do feel a bit i mean racing point also got docked 15 points but Mm. maybe that was for a good reason i find it really hard to to, you know i've always kind of had a soft spot for that that team's team uh, uh team silverstone if you like but now feeling it's just got this sort of big corporate feel to it. Maybe it'd be nice to see McLaren kind of have a good year after what they've gone through. And we said at the start of the season, didn't we, even if they came fifth, look, just because this crazy racing point jumps them, not to worry. Because we assumed Ferrari would be a top three team. Uh, How wrong we were. But uh, yeah, let's see what happens. And I suppose that leads us on to Renault, the next team that looked like they were in the fight for third for quite a while, but they they seem to have dropped out now.
2: Yeah, so racing each other. Jeez
0: yeah so renault uh ricardo seventh ocon ninth um yeah uh they need yeah as, as i said keith they needed to stop racing each other i think they they played around um a couple of laps um too much that really hurt them um and just the pace just wasn't there you know i mean we've i was really hoping they would come to this track because it was a normal track you know and finally saw out the card, but in short, and I'll say this again, like I pretty much do every podcast, I cannot wait until Alonso's in that car scoring ninth or eighth or whatever it is next season because it's going to be jokes.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, hopefully he'll have the patience for next year. It's 2022. That's when we know whether Alonso and Ricardo have all made the right decision. Um, it was a shame, wasn't it, because they had a really good quality and then that race just, they did it around Ricardo and um you know he was a bit quicker than Ocon they should have let him through earlier didn't and then Ocon got past again with an undercut and then Ricciardo got pie again on the track and it was yeah they, they, they really dropped off didn't they they've gone quiet again they had that real hot streak in the middle of the season where you're thinking they're nailed on for third and then they've just tailed off again and I really thought these tracks would suit them um then the outer ring might suit them a bit more. They go better on those quicker tracks. And I felt that Abu Dhabi would suit them as well. So they're still sort of in with a shout, but they're getting close to sort of, what, 25, 30-odd points off that third place. So likely that's not going to happen now. That's too big. Even with some good results, it's not very likely to happen. Mm. Um,
0: yeah, anything from you, Keith?
2: yeah i mean I'll just echo that from from uh, Belgium to Germany. Danny Rick was just imperious and then you know had another podium in San Marino and you just think, okay, this is it they're gonna they're gonna go from strength to strength they'll secure third, but in the you know the last couple of races they have been inconsistent to say the least uh Ocon is just not scoring points where you know and they Renault desperately need him to score points and uh at the moment, I think Rick's probably. Second in the race for fourth. Uh, I, I know that he's first at the moment, but you would, you, I would, if I if I, if I was walking to the betting shop with cash in my hand, I would certainly be putting it on uh, Perez. Uh, and the fact that the clars there is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't see it changing between now and the end of the season either. I don't think it's you know, the uh, the outer ring is going to suit Renault. It'll suit them more than it did this race, but I don't see them being able to close the gap on. Uh, on McLaren, or certainly not Racing Point.
0: Mm, agreed. Um, moving on, Ferrari Leclerc tenth, Vettel thirteenth. Um, we, I feel we we all got a little bit too high and happy of seeing Seb um, on the podium last race, and you know, I was kind of and, and as I said before, you know, in the pre-race he was really sort of like get up and fired to go and. Yeah, this this wasn't a good one for them. Um, when a when Williams
1: can keep you back, I think that just says everything, really. It's a, what a difference a year makes, isn't it? I mean, that car set up for an engine that's a rocket and they don't have that anymore. So it just it doesn't work. They've tried to add downforce to the car, but it's just made it more draggy. Uh, yeah, it was uh, we've beat them up all season, haven't we? Mm. Um, we want to see them at the front. It looks like they're really gunning for next year, even though there's not huge reg changes. There are some. Um, and Bonotto's been at Marinello the whole year. Pretty much it feels like only the last two races. But I think they, they're switched off from this year. They're focusing on next year's car. I think they'll be better next year. I think they're going to make a big step forward, even though it shouldn't be possible. I, I just see somehow it'll be that they do, however they need to. They'll um, find something. They'll find something. Um, you know, Seb's complaints about Leclerc were quite funny um i mean leclerc doesn't care he's he's pretty uh you know he gets his elbows out and then just goes oh sorry i didn't mean to do that to a team but you know <laughs> we know what he's like but you can't really blame him leclerc actually had a good weekend he had a poor quality he looked off the pace didn't he but then actually he was the one who scored a point in the end and had a decent first stint so all in all yeah they were there it's just weird seeing ferrari just you, you don't even think about them um and they that's no, not right and yeah, you, you, especially in Bahrain, it's a track they've gone well at for a while. You know, um, should have won there last year. They yeah. did in 2018, I believe. I think uh, Seb won there. Um, it's a track they usually go well at. So,
2: yeah. Yeah, Leclerc it's the uh, classic example of better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Always, uh, always ready with an apology rather than actually just not doing it. But uh, I do think it's a little bit uh, hypocritical for Seb to complain about teammates not following team orders (laughs) uh, old multi-21 seb you know to say oh how how could he not have followed our discussion this morning so uh yeah come on mate and also it was an aggressive piece of racing it was i watched that back a couple of times and it wasn't anything too egregious if that was seb on anybody else it'd be like well, you know good good hard racing seb but uh yeah i mean even though he had that p3 last week you know two weeks ago which was a you know let's just say what it is it was an inherited p3 uh, this was a this was a return to the anti form and yeah i i think that yeah the race you know two more races and then you know please let me have a go in that new aston martin
0: yeah like yeah exactly um moving on to red bull albon third max second uh, if there was ever a point where I felt Max has just completely checked out of the season, this was it, you know, um, I think after the pre-race, they were like, oh, Max, you know, he did really well. You got second place. And he's just like, yeah, that's all I,
1: that's all I ever get. And you're like, ah, he's done. <laughs> like he's, <laughs> he was angry with the team. Uh, because they dithered, but not, no, dithered, wrong word. They just weren't aggressive enough on the strategy, which is really not like Red Bull. Um, You know, when they went on the hard, they went, send it. It It's like, yeah, they're going to go for the one stop. And suddenly you look and you go, and his pace is all right here. You think Lewis has to stop again. He's committed to a two stop. Do something different. Uh, And then just didn't. And then did a safety pit stop for the fastest lap. It turns out that actually Merck weren't comfortable on their tyres. They didn't have a new set of hards, I don't think, or two new sets of hards to go on to, which put Lewis at a disadvantage. Lewis was having to push like mad, whilst trying to keep a hold of his mediums. Um, yeah, Merck weren't really uh, as comfortable as you think, and Lewis wasn't as comfortable as you think. And I think Max knew that, and Max knew they weren't aggressive enough with the strategy and didn't do enough. Um, what really surprised me about this race is this was, you uh, hear on the post radio, um, Red Bull's first podium in Bahrain since 2013. And that is mad to think. But I suppose it's, yeah, it's Merc that have been dominant in this period. And then it's usually been Ferrari that have been right up there. Ferrari like this track. They always have historically since, you know, back in 2010 with the first race. I know that wasn't the first race. It was before then. But they, they went quick there in 2010 uh, and, and onwards, really. Um, it's historically a sort of Ferrari track. And, yeah, so Red Bull haven't had a podium there since 2013, uh, which, is, which is mad to think. Um, so, yeah, double podium. I mean, Albon inherited that. I think we touched on that really I mean I think he'll keep his seat and it's almost that sort of moment that visualization right of uh, you know Perez's engine blows up as you know Albon gets the podium it shouldn't be because of that we know Perez was the better you know better driver on the day and Albon definitely inherited that but he'll take whatever he can get I suppose He was still off the pace little hint from Max that he was annoyed that you know Albon wasn't there as to work as a rear gunner to stop Lewis being able to do whatever he wanted but apart from that they're, they're pretty checked out on there I think Max has had enough. Really, he just wants to get through this season.
2: Yeah, I mean, Max just sort of came out at the end of the team radio saying, "Congrats to Albon on his uh, podium," but then post race he said, "Oh, you know, finishing a half a minute behind me, I don't think that's much to be excited about." You know, he clearly <laughs> wants, to, well, he clearly wants somebody that. Well, I mean, every every driver wants to know that they can beat their teammate, but at the same time, you want them to be competitive. Yeah, and I think, uh, I think. Max is getting a little bit annoyed with seeing, well, not seeing a Red Bull in his mirrors. You know, there is, he is in a class of one all the time. I mean, he finished second and it was a clear second, and he gets on the team radio and he's just like, yeah, here's what it is. Uh," You know, it's staggering that he can finish second so comfortably and be so disappointed because he's not built for second. He just wants to win all the time. And that speaks to his, you know, his relentless pursuit of excellence and his, you know, his speed and his consistency. That this year has been the best that he's ever had, and it's just still not quite good enough. And he is sick of it. And I'm pleased mm-hmm. to see that he's sick of it because, you know, any other driver outside of maybe Valtteri Bottas would kill to be in his position, but that's not enough for him, which is Senna-esque the
0: The thing about Max is his um, his talent, his drive, his commitment is I think second to none and I think with with him and this year it 's okay, even if i 'm not challenging for the win, I want to still race. I want to have somebody in front of me who I can overtake or somebody behind me who 's pushing me. He he loves to race. And this season for him, he's literally just been on his own. Like, I think more races than not, he's literally been, you know, what, 20 seconds off the Mercs and then Albon's in, you know, P12. And then it's another 20 seconds to whoever's in P4. And that's literally been his entire season. You know, it's, you know, other, other than the... Other than um, the one which he won, you know, I, I sort of think about a season, it's like, man, he's literally just been on, on his own. Like, he's probably sick of it, you know, and he is sick of it. But well, at the had,
2: end... He's had four retirements. Yeah, as well. And, yeah, you're right. And he's been on the podium every other time bar our last Turkish Grand Prix. Mm. Every other time this year, he's been on the podium. That's staggering consistency.
0: And, but I mean, ultimately... You know it's now looking that Lewis might stay, whether that's for another year or another few years um hopefully we'll know soon rather than later um but he is at r b and it's just whether r b can just bridge that last little piece you know um I mean, I hope they do next year. i really really hope they do it's uh
1: they're gonna have to think. Changes some of their philosophy as well, though. I think this kind of you know, the way that they've stuck with Albon shows you sort of their way they just stuck in their ways, and the philosophy of that car almost doesn't feel like it's the right one. Uh, even Lewis called that out this week, didn't he? he so, well, we're the, we've got the longest car here, and everyone still insists on this sort of old mindset of short, you know, high rake, mm. short wheelbase. I think that's been proven not to be the best in, in that now, but um, I love to see them take the fight closer, and I don't think they need to get that much closer to make them more of a bother. Um, But they do need to find a bit of pace. They can't just rely on Max's pure talent um, to get up there. Because at this rate, he's probably getting frustrated because he knows now he's basically just waiting for Lewis to leave um, and then hope he gets in the Merck. Because to be honest, if you go and get a Leclerc, can't see that happening. Bad example, but, you know, or a Sainz or a Ricardo get in at McLaren, at Mercedes, he then knows he's got to wait longer because they're then probably going to have that edge. So. Interesting and and just
0: imagine what a shame it would be if Max just never wins a world championship, right? Like, just, just imagine if the just never align for him.
1: I know, I mean, it would, it be, would be mad. I mean, it I can't think of the, only other, the only other driver, I think, who hasn't won a championship that should is, he says Sterling Moss, but that partly came down to his art. Well. He was such a sort of gentleman driver. He'd often, you know, give places back and all sorts, you know. <laughs> he, was a phenom- he was a phenomenal driver, absolutely phenomenal. One of the best, um, you know, it's like Seb says, you can't compare eras, they're just too different. But in his era, Sterling, Moss was one of, so Sterling. sorry, I should say, is one of the greats. And he was one that everyone would say is, he's up there but never won a championship. But I can't really think of any other drivers that, coming straight to my head, and Keith, from sort sure someone will for you that you think they should have won a championship, and they haven't. But let's not forget Max is, what, 23? Yeah, he's, he's got a bit of time, yeah. He's got like 17-odd years, yeah. yeah. I'm sure exactly. he's going to get one. He might just be running out of time to get seven. But even then, hey, there's still yeah, time. I mean,
2: the only, in my lifetime, the only driver that I can think of where I thought, god he's fast and he will be a champion it is probably Juan Pablo Montoya
1: mm. yeah and he never did the one for me which I wasn't there to see live when, I, when you watch back the seasons is uh, Jean Lacey when you see him rock up you think whoa he's like he's crazy he's sticking it to centre in his first race and looked really quick and we all know what happened there he went to Ferrari and well yeah the Soap Leclerc isn't going to go the same, <laughs> same way but, uh, yeah. so
0: um, from one Mercedes of Sterling Moss to another for Lewis um Hemp, hemp hot hotass 4.0 uh he's checked out i think um i think he knows that he, like the championship's lost so he's just there he's accepted he's just the number 2 i and cuz he got mugged on the start like he got absolutely mugged and just didn't really recover after that
1: No, even without the puncture, he would have struggled. I think he could have come P3 or or would have come P3, more than likely. even challenged Max a little bit. But he was unlucky with the puncture. That is unlucky. And everyone keeps going on about how unlucky he is. Um, And he he has had some bad luck. You know, he had the engine DNF. And he's had the bit of debris stuck under his car. He had the puncture at the wrong time in Silverstone and here. So he has lost some points. But what's the gap now? It's like 100-odd points, isn't it? Yeah. At the top of the standings. Uh, more than that now. It's 130. So he hasn't had 130 points of bad luck. I'll be super generous and say he's had about 30. Um, but, you know, well, hang on with a DNF gone. I'll give him 50 points. He can have 50, <laughs> but he still will be about 80 behind anyway. It's crazy. Regardless, he was nowhere in qualifying. He just wasn't there this race. He didn't have any feeling that he was going to really cause anything, any disruption. And then he just, you're like, here he comes. He's going to storm through the field and just didn't make any progress. He was nowhere um and then just for you know to add salt to the wound he then got a puncture behind the safety car at the end as well but it, you know it didn't matter by then so a bit unlucky but also i don't think he was going to you know set the world on fire this race uh lewis on the other hand was again just his sort of imperious self it's i think you've got to be worried as his competitors when he used to let the you know let this foot off once he would won you know you saw that in 2015 which people argue is what gave the title in 2016 to nico or at least gave him a such a solid start that Lewis could never recover. Um, But since then, he just finishes the season so strong. He did it last year and he's doing it this year. Um, You know, he's not letting up, is he? In fact, and it seems like the fact he's so relaxed has made him even quicker Um, because you have the feeling that, you know, Red Bull had good race pace and they were in with a sniff of it, but they ended up finishing 20 seconds behind, you know. So obviously they had the extra pit stop, but he pretty much seemed to have it covered, didn't he? Um, So, yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, not much to add to that. I mean, it's just you know, bot, bot has four points slow. Uh, yeah, because he said, Oh, you know, people were making apologies for a start. Are oh, we starting on the dusty side? And it's like, Yeah, but it didn't stop Rick, he was no. right up, he was right up against him. Uh, yeah, terrible start, terrible restart, then the puncture. It just you know, another weekend where it just all goes wrong. Uh, and yeah, I. I do feel sorry for him in the sense that when things out of your control like punctures happen, they do suck. But he wouldn't have been anywhere near Lewis this weekend. He didn't look near him at all this weekend. Uh, And I'm sure he must be just praying that Lewis has a change of heart and decides to end it at the end of the year. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but then he might have Max Verstappen in the next car. Or hey, Or Sergio.
0: Sergio.
1: Uh, That'd be quite interesting to watch, just Sergio Bottas actually. But I think Sergio would have the measure of him, to be honest. He'd get used. I think Bottas would be stronger at the start, but once Sergio got the hang of the car, because he's got that, you know, super, super skills with the tyre life, he'd probably have it, I reckon.
2: Mm. Yeah, and with less aero, I think a a smooth driving style would actually suit. Uh, Mm. Yeah, I mean, it it was a. uh, yeah, and it was it was a race because I know that Lewis uh, sent out a message on Twitter or Instagram or something at the uh, at the break when they were fixing the armco. And I think if Lewis had lost that race, people would have used that as a rod to beat him with, like, oh, he's distracted, he's he can't get off social media, he's he's checked out now that he's won the championship. But the fact that he can do that, like, come into a race, you know, see the you know destruction of Grosjean's incident tweet a little message of support and sort of you know, clarify his thoughts and then go in there and deliver 53 faultless laps. It's just, geez, he's Super just on human. it. It's Super just, human. yeah, I mean, in terms of just race crafts, this has been his finest year. Yeah, definitely. All ends up, he's had a phenomenal year. He's been
1: almost faultless, uh, even when he's kind of been down and out, which is really only Austria where the penalty he had kind of put him on the back foot he was at fault for tipping albon out but even before then it just that that put him on the wrong foot and then the penalty in monza i kind of blame on the team not him really he was all ends up looking fine there apart from that he's been unstoppable even in the race in silverstone where he got beaten um he still did bottas and actually had a decent race and did okay and came home second you know in a car that maybe couldn't have done that so yeah i don't know i think uh he, he has had an amazing season you can hardly point any So any faults, really? Um, Maybe Russia, Sochi, was a bit off colour, wasn't he? Um, But apart from that. And again, it was a penalty, um, but he did kind of earn that one. So, uh, yeah, Yeah. uh, amazing season. There's still two races to go, but it doesn't look like he's letting up, does it?
0: No. So um, just quickly, because this one has been a long episode. Um, Keith, you wanted to talk about uh, some of the drivers.
2: Post-race. Post-race, yeah. yeah. Uh, First of all, uh, there was an amazing compilation. Somebody on the, uh, formula one Reddit, uh, did a, an unbelievable compilation of the team radios. Yeah. I just Red listened to that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Funny enough.
2: Yeah, yeah. That was, that was very, very interesting. Cause obviously the, the geometry of the circuit meant that they would have been coming into turn 10, which is obviously gives you a good view of turn mm. three. So they probably would have been able to see fire and smell smoke. So it would have been a very harrowing situation, but, uh, Danny Rick came out and said that he feels like the FIA were negligent in showing replays of the crash as often as they did. I think he felt that they knew that the drivers would be watching that and that they shouldn't show us as much as they did. Uh, I I think we all can agree it's good that they didn't show any replays until they knew Grosjean was okay. Yeah. And whether they showed too many replays thereafter, it's difficult to say. Because obviously, there's you know you've got an hour of dead air to fill, and there's been this big incident that has happened, and people want to see it and dissect the incident and kind of figure out what happened. If uh, Grojan had been more seriously hurt, not even just killed, but just hurt, broken legs, uh, fractured skull, anything like that, I would have said no, that don't show it. But the fact that he got out and he was okay you know okay in inverted commas uh i can sort of understand why the fia thought it was acceptable to show it i don't know how you guys felt about that
1: so um i have to be a little bit careful i think but these drivers are not heroes they're not heroes they're not doing anything against their will they're not conscripts they're not saving people's lives they're not fighting a war that you know in, like in world war 1 where young kids were sent out to fight they're paid millions to do something they love and they want to do no one is making them no one is forcing them um you know being over oh, doing it for your entertainment someone else will always step up to the plate and do do this job um and i'm sure you know they can cry into their money and their 20 ferraris back home and their supermodel wives but I do get a little bit bored, you know, and I, I'm a, such a big fan of science, but when he said, now you know the risks we take for you. And it was like, get over yourselves. Like, I, and honestly, and I love F1. Look, we, we're doing an F1 podcast. and We talk about it every week and I love Formula One, but I think it's almost insulting when these drivers really think that they're these like big heroes saving the world. They're not, you know, the real heroes. We know who they are. We've seen that through the pandemic, the people on the front lines actually saving lives and risking their own. They're the heroes. So I really think Ricardo needs to kind of get on with it a little bit. I agree if it was like a a fatal crash and they kept showing the angles, you know, like they did with the center crash. They kept zooming in on him and all sorts. That was really disrespectful, super disrespectful. And I I don't even agree on them showing that footage anymore. If there's anything lethal, you shouldn't shouldn't be looking at it uh, and you shouldn't be watching it. Um, So I'm dead against that. Grosjean got up, walked out, got in the car. You know, he was fine. We knew that. So I think he just needs to get over himself a little bit. I'll be honest. And I think, you know, all of this sort of, the outpouring to see if Grosjean okay has been amazing, is, is, was okay has been amazing. The community rallying around Grosjean has been incredible. People going on about the life, save, you know, you've saved the life to the medical team. The marshals is amazing. But all of this, the drivers, oh, remember, they're out there fighting. Needs to stop because it's just it's ridiculous and I think it's insulting and it's really arrogant. <laughs> actually, mm. um, it's probably different. You know, they they grow up, they're rich, and then they you know they think they're warriors in these cars. But at the end of the day, they're doing what they love and what they want. It's a selfish thing. It's not for anyone else. You don't do this for anyone else but yourself. Uh, and and to be honest, you have to be selfish to be a good F one driver. So yeah, I'm sure a lot of people really hate to hear that, um, but that's just my view. I think we really need to have a bit of semblance on what a hero actually is. Um, they're our heroes, but they are not heroes. So yeah, maybe, maybe that's a bit far. But
2: And yeah. how do you feel about uh, what Max Verstappen said about if, uh, if any driver came back to the pits and said that they no longer wanted to drive that particular race because of an incident, he would, as a team principal, throw them out and say, you're never getting in that car again.
1: Um, wow. I mean, I think that's... So, what if, so if a driver came back and just said, oh, I'm not getting back in, just throw him out yep. completely. Nah, I, yeah. I I wouldn't agree with that. And I actually, I think a lot of people said this, even Ferrari backed Nicky Lauda in that Japanese Grand Prix in 1976, when he said, it's too wet. I've got too much to lose now. I'm not doing it. I'm not racing it. You know, I'm not risking my life. And I respect that, you know, the drivers know there is a risk and they're taking it. And it's that old silly cliche line from rush, isn't it? Where like, but if it goes over a certain percentage risk, then it's not worth it. But I think, Yeah. I mean, if Grosjean turns around and goes, I'm never getting in a car again. My bottle's gone. I go, yeah, fair play. You've got a family. You've got a wonderful family. Why, why would you do it? And I wouldn't blame him for that. But also if he was like, I'll get back in because it's my job. I have to do it for the fans and for everyone out there. I'd be like, no, 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 no. You're going back in for yourself. And that's, that's it. You don't do it for anyone else because you're not doing anything. You're, You're not, you know, you're not saving anyone. You're not a firefighter going, well, I got burnt in that fire, but I better keep going because I want to save more lives. You're going, oh, I like, you know. That, that's the difference, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh,
2: yeah, yeah. Sorry, just, I think it was a tone deaf thing for uh, Max to say. I mean, I have utter respect for him. If that's what he thinks, that's fine. If, and also, I do respect that he was open and honest about it. I think the corporate answer would be to say this, that, the other, blah, blah, blah. But you're talking about an incident where you know somebody could have been very, very drastically hurt or very realistically killed. And if a driver, especially somebody like a Leclerc, who has seen his friends die, if he turned around and said, you know what, I don't want to race this weekend, they have my blessing. And for him to say, oh, no, if, that was, if it was me, I'd, I'd kick him out of the team. Yeah, I know that he's trying to cultivate an image of being a ruthless competitor, and he very much is, but that's just emotionally tone deaf.
0: Yeah. And it's not the first time I feel he's sort of said something on par I mean, I can't bring up any examples off to my head, but you know, it's, I feel it's just the way he is. And, um, and hopefully, you know, he has some more uh, PR training, but um I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I, I agree with everything Jake said. Um, you know, this is a sport. Um, sport is fundamentally at its core, a entertainment medium. It is there to entertain us um and therefore anything which is um and this is from somebody who took film um anything which is deemed as entertainment is not in terms of the grand view of the world it is not a it is not a necessary thing to happen right it's it's good that you know i love entertainment i love films i love you know my playstation my pc and everything but in terms of the real world that's not important um so yeah, so I uh, yeah, I disagree with everything which what what Jake said. Um Max is Max. Um I can only hope that, you know, somebody from Red Bull does sit him down and just be like, hey man, you know, maybe you shouldn't have worded it like this. Um but yeah, I mean if a driver saw, you know, a ball of flame like that and they turned around and said, Look, I'm not racing that's fine. You know, whether the team say, okay, you're not going to get paid for this race or whatever that is then up to them. You know, th- that's not up to me. That's not up to us to then, um, talk about, I feel. Um, but at the end of the day, um, a human life is, uh, you know, I will say a human life is worth more than seeing these pieces of engineering just do, you know, a, a, a couple of circuits for, you know, roughly an hour you know it's it's worth more than that
2: and also like max has seen his dad turn into a human barbecue in in the pit lane yeah. but, you know he had one of the most famous uh pit lane fires of the 90s so it's like you know what you know if if, if you should have a little bit more you know respect for the i dangerous. think
0: i think max actually used that as an excuse he was like look man like i saw my old man he was in the flame he's still well, well, well you know he still in the car and driving around that would come um,
1: from his old man. That would come yeah. from Yoss. Because Yoss is very much like, you know, he calls him a wimp for having padded pads on his headrest. You know, they're very much like, I'm old. I'm a man. And it's just like, get over yourself, man. Um, you know, um, sometimes I just feel like that with Max. It's like, you're not hard. <laughs> get over yourself. <laughs> this whole sort of like, yeah, we're big, big men. It's like, you're all super skinny, lightweight men. So you can get in those cars. So, um, you know, I think sometimes it's just this macho attitude that, gets a little bit tedious, doesn't it, with Max? But then again, we're only here to really to see his driving ability, and that's something I, I will always be in awe of because he's an incredible driver. So whenever he opens his mouth, I cringe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Just turn on mute whenever you see him speaking.
0: Um, so moving on, uh, GP preview, we have the secure outer circuit. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, I, I still think it'll be a Muck washout because it's literally three straight lines with like four corners. Um, but it's just something new and different. And whenever we've had something new and different this season, it's usually turned out pretty good. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see it. It's new, it's different. Like you said, it might just be a snooze fest. It might be like a cart going around the edge of the car park or something. But <laughs> I'm, I'm up for seeing it. Let's see how it goes. It should be fun. Um, I, you know, what can go is something new. Like I so said, this is a season of new things. So let's, let's see something new.
2: Yeah, I can't see anything other than uh, than a Mercedes one-two as long as Valtteri's, you know, not burnt out Lux stat. and Racing Point should be going very handily around there as well. Uh, I'm gonna back, uh Lewis Valtteri Sergio, and I know that we I said that last weekend, but it nearly came true.
1: Nearly came true. Well, yeah, it, it very nearly did come true, didn't it? And um, for me, I'm so saying tells me Max might do it. I don't know why the track won't suit them, but um, th- they were actually a lot closer this weekend than we give them credit. It was down to more strategy that they weren't there or thereabouts. So I think they could do it. Lewis does feel on it though. So I Lewis second and Perez. I really hope he gets that podium. That's more of a wish for Perez to come third than a th- you know, thinking he will. But uh, yeah, I th- but the track will suit them. And all it takes is sort of one of Bottas. Uh, uh, or Max to go out and the podium should be his really so yeah
0: um, I'm going to go with Keith um, exactly the same three uh, as I said it's just something new and exciting so why not um, and hopefully we get some, something new and exciting out of it uh, but yeah so with that um, obviously last, lastly um, thoughts are with um, Roman um, his wife his uh, three kids I believe um, and the Haas team Uh, This was a very stark reminder of the sport that we love, um, but also a great opportunity to just herald how far the sport has come um, in actually saving people's lives, uh, which was, you know, 30, 40 years ago wasn't even a thing. So, yeah, really well done to everyone, marshals and everyone involved. But till then, um, and of course, I hope that I never see it again ever in my life. Uh, But yeah, so with that, thank you for joining us. Um, I know this was a little bit of a long one, but yeah, it was an interesting race. And we'll see you next weekend. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye.
1: Take care.